Not so long ago, in the mysterious land of Elk Grove Village, Stern Pinball was unveiling a new game. Welcome to the Totally Pinball Podcast. I am Johnny Pinball. How's it been? Has it been two weeks? Man, time does go by quick. Lots to talk about tonight. I hope you're feeling fine. Spring is in the air. I don't know about you. I've been spending a lot more time outdoors and thinking less of pinball, but then Stern hits us with this announcement this week. We had the tease on May the 4th, and it was all but confirmed. Oh, me, Picard's flute! That's right, the Mandalorian Pinball. We got Brian Eddy on design. No surprise there, but the big surprise was Dwight Sullivan is on code. Dwight coming hot off the Ninja Turtles game. He also coded the 2017 Star Wars game. Let's start with the question I know is on everyone's mind. What will the action button do this time? In Star Wars, you were destroying TIE fighters. In Turtles, you were eating pizza. In the Mandalorian, I'm you're hearing it here first. I think it's going to be... Baby Yoda eating the eggs, the frog lady's eggs. You've got to rapidly smash that button to eat as many eggs before she notices, before she turns around and notices they're all gone. No, 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 no. That is not food. And if she catches you, you lose something. Like maybe if you had a ball locked, you lose a lock. Or maybe you lose Beskar. As we know in the game now, Beskar is going to be the currency that the player, you, the Mandalorian, used to upgrade throughout the game. But before we get too far into the game, I just want to say I'm hot off of watching the entire series. Some things I noticed while watching were just like little pinball things that I'm sure weren't intentional, but my mind being on pinball picked up on. The first one was the Mandalorian logo or symbol or insignia, the mythosaur. I couldn't help but think, you know, I've seen that somewhere before. I believe Jungle Lord has that on the plastics, or at least something that looks very similar. I've got the uh, Google image results up now. So I'm looking at the Jungle Lord. It is almost the same looking, except the Mythosaur doesn't have these horns that the Jungle Lord plastics has. So it's really close. My brain was on the right track with that one. The second thing I noticed in uh, Season 1, Episode 5, was kind of the background music made me think of Pharaoh. Here, I'm going to play you the clip. Did you guys hear it or am I crazy? Now let's go to Pharaoh. Maybe those split-level playfield designers were onto something. They knew that in 40 years that the Mandalorian would take inspiration from them. 
All right, let's move on to the actual play field that This Week in Pinball posted a deep dive on. No surprises here that there are two models, or two different play fields, the Pro and the Premium. Now CERN has been doing that since about 2011. I'm going to start with the Pro. So looking at the Pro, I immediately see that it's got a, a Baby Yoda sculpt in the upper left. Brian Eddy said that he started the game design with this sculpt in mind. Directly underneath the sculpt, we see four rollovers and five lights that spell out child. Later in the season, we find out the child's real name. Grogu. Yes, that's his name. Interesting they chose to put it as the child and not Grogu, as they have the same amount of letters. All right, looking down, so south of the rollover lanes, we have two pop bumpers instead of the traditional three. And then we have a sculpt of the Razor Crest. And remember, this is on the Pro model. The Razor Crest looks really cool, and I'm glad they kept it in the Pro. Now, kind of just underneath the Razor Crest, we have a plastic ramp that kind of goes through the backboard and returns to the left in lane after it goes looping around. What's really cool about this ramp is it also crisscrosses with another ramp on the playfield using the Mark Ritchie signature crisscross ramps. We haven't seen that in a really long time on a playfield. Now, unfortunately, these are plastic ramps on the Pro model, but they look to be almost identical in parts to the premium. So I suspect someone will be selling a metal habit rail or is it called habit rail or habit trail? Um, I've actually always wondered that. I Some people pronounce it. I mean, it's spelled habit rail, but everyone pronounces it habit trail. So if anyone knows, let me know. All right, to play it safe, I'll call it a ball guide or wire form. All right, so think taxi, think fishtails, think Indiana Jones, and even Capcom's Kingpin has it too. So I really like that feature on this game so far. All right, moving on. Oh, that sound means I'm contractually obligated by David Fix to let you know my opinions here are not valid because I have not been podcasting or collecting for at least five years. Listener discretion is advised. And now the mandatory warning podcaster who maybe been podcasting for the last and collecting for the last five years i mean he wasn't there through the 2000s he wasn't there in the 99s when williams closed down he wasn't there when we used to buy pinball machines for 200 dollars or 500 dollars. i mean mr fix is right in the 1990s and 2000s i was a child just like the adorable grogu all right back to the play field next to the ramp to the left we have a scoop that's the foundry uh, Dwight Sullivan said this is where you're going to exchange your best car, which is the currency in the game, for upgrades. These upgrades were talked about on the stream. They are flamethrowers, ambin rifles, armor, the whistling birds, and a jetpack. Moving to the left, the outer orbit has a spinner on it. It's a TIE Fighter spinner, so no more TIE Fighter on a spring. He has moved to a spinner. That's where you'll be shooting, I would think, uh, Moth Gideon. So when you hit that shot, you can pretend you're Mando and you've jumped on top of Moth Gideon's TIE Fighter, and he's tried to shoot him. Shoot him dead. Or is he? A good villain never dies. Unless you're Darth Maul. All right, moving down the play field, uh, just above the slingshot on the left side, there are the three stand-up targets, the hunter targets. While it'd be nice if they were drop targets, I'm just relieved it's not the mono target John Borg likes to use. 
That's pretty much it on the left side of the playfield. Your traditional in-lane, out-lane, no Pat Lawler patented three-lane design. And no, the third pop bumper is not down there like Rick and Morty. This game only has two, and I suspect the reason for that we will see on the right side of the playfield. All right, starting from the center again. So just to the right of the ramp, we have, like I said, the Razor Crest toy. And then the Razor Crest toy has a little pendulum which acts as something in the game, but it stands out as like a recycled part maybe or some a modified part of the ACDC bell. Um, though it doesn't look as fun as the ACDC bell. In the gameplay footage, it just kind of flopped around, didn't do anything. It's passive. It doesn't hold in the lock position and then unlock once you hit it once. It would have been cool you know, if there was a way to lock it or even if there was a stand-up target there. And then once you knock that down, then you could proceed. Um, so that shot leads to a small ramp that then loops around to the left side of the playfield. I just I don't think it's going to be as satis satisfying as the ACDC bell because you're not going to get that physical sound that goes with it. And that's where the argument can be made that Stern is just a parts bin company. They're the Ford, they're the Chevy, you know, the Chevy Cobalt, the Chevy Cruze. Ford Focus, Ford Fiesta, you know, all parts bins cards made to a, a cost. So the new parts made for this game, right, are the, the Grogu Sculpt and the Razor Crest. The rest can be found in any other Stern game in just a different arrangement. All right, what I didn't mention before was Grogu on the Pro is just a static sculpt, and Grogu on the Premium, they add a magnet underneath him to simulate him using the Force to give you some sort of bonus or reward. Um, in, in the gameplay video... It didn't look like it did much. Um, really a missed opportunity for Baby Yoda to actually grab the ball. Stranger Things has the magnet on the backboard. And I think all of us were expecting something like that in this game. Some way, you know, Grogu could manipulate the ball. Instead, we have to imagine what he might be doing on the Pro. And on the Premium, it's a poor implementation. The game was designed around this toy. So you got to wonder if it was cut for costs or they couldn't get it working or why they ended up going this route. It would have been cool if there was something like uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula with the Miss Multiball, if the force could be used to drag the ball across the playfield, or if there could be like a floating baby Yoda, you know, baby carriage on there somewhere, or maybe a Magna save, where if your force powers are high enough in the game, you have something like Jungle Lord, where you could pulse it on and off. It's disappointing that, that Brian Eddy didn't do anything special with the force. Use the sword! Moving to the upper right of the playfield, this is kind of the, the star of the show. We have the mini playfield, as it's called, which is the Mandalorian's face or helmet. The cool part is on the premium model, you get two flippers and the playfield is actually separate and it can kind of change its pitch anywhere from, I guess, flat to 65 degrees. And your goal is to hit the stand-up targets on there. On the pro, it's not... Uh, an, an additional play field it's just an uh, area that they have plastics around and only one flipper and it's the same concept you, you want to shoot the stand-up targets now this is where I think the budget for the third pop bumper went so on the pro to get that third flipper in there I think that's why they sacrificed it the mini play field was seen in action on the live stream it looked harder than you would expect uh, the players were not keeping the ball up there very long so this might be a more challenging part of the game Although it's not like it's going to hurt you. It's not close to the drain or anything. It's in the uppermost right of the playfield. And I'm again going to take this back to Jungle Lord. It seems very similar where in Jungle Lord you have to hit the drop targets that are on the upper playfield. And here you have to hit the stand-up targets that are lit. Sadly, there's no bell. 
I would call the mini playfield the big toy in this game. So moving on. So we had the Razorcrest shot that had the ACDC bell pendulum. Then moving to the right, there is a up-down scoop on the premium. And on the pro, it's just a horseshoe. So on the premium with that, it either can be in the down position where, or I guess the, the ball just flows underneath it and it makes the quick horseshoe, or it can turn on and activate it where it kind of makes like a 180 ramp like you see on Jurassic Park. That's a pretty cool feature. That's a good reason to want to go premium over pro, just to have that. And with the mini play field being kind of a lot less uh, involved on the pro as well. So there's some compelling reasons here to upgrade. Moving right, there is a ramp on both the premium and pro models, which returns to the right flipper. And finally, the last shot farthest to the right is the right orbit. This can, of course, flow in a traditional orbit, or it sounds like it has the up post similar to Metallica. And when that post is up, it will drop the ball into the child lanes. I believe that's the case on the left orbit as well, too. Now, let's hope it works better than it does in Metallica. That game just so frustrating when you play it and that post comes up and it's supposed to stop the ball and have it drop into the pops, but nope, it rejects, comes back down the orbit at you. Talk about taking all the satisfaction out of a good shot. Ugh, I've yet to find a Metallica that plays how I think it should play. Maybe that's how it's designed. I just can't believe that it's designed in a way that just makes it seem like you're missing the shot or it's not working properly. Of course, Metallica was a Borg design game, and this is Brian Eddy, but there are a lot of similarities in the play field if you look at the parts themselves that are used. Upper left, Grogu Sculpt. Upper left, Munsters, Herman. Below Grogu Sculpt on the premium, Magnet. Below Herman, Magnet. And then the right shot on the Pro, it's the Horseshoe. On the premium, it's the 180 ramp. On Munsters, it's the 180 ramp. Now what separates this from a John Borg design is that there aren't three outlanes on the left. And of course, there's no mono targets. Well, that kind of wraps up the playfield analysis. Now let's move on to the callouts and the music. Music and callouts for me. I'm going to be a shiny penny to the first listener who can tell me what episode that's from. Of course, that review is from straight down the middle where everything's an A or a B. That's the joke. All right, let's start with callouts. Callouts are by Carl Weathers, most famously known for saying, Ah, Mando. They all hate you, Mando. Mando. Only you, Mando. Welcome back, Mando. And during the stream, you could hear Carl Weathers' callouts, and they sounded pretty good. He had more enthusiasm than David Harbour had on Stranger Things. So I actually think that was a good choice to have him in the game. But unfortunately, I believe he's the only voice actor we get. We don't hear any, we don't hear any callouts from Pedro Pascal. No callouts from Giancarlo Esposito. Let's talk about Giancarlo Esposito. I'm so glad he's in The Mandalorian. He played Gus Fring on Breaking Bad. That's where I was introduced to him, and he played the perfect villain in that series. And then I was very pleased to see him in The Mandalorian as the villain here, too. Perfect casting. And in kind of a weird way, he reminds me of one of my bosses at work. They have a very similar, I guess, look to them and disposition. I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing, but hey, Gus was really nice to his customers. Let's play one of his iconic lines. You have something I want. You may think you have some idea what you're in possession of, but you do not. Grogu. Moth Gideon wants his blood. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Hi, I'm Alpho. All right, all right, we, wo we won't get into that, but you should check out Disenchantment if you haven't watched. Exclusively streaming on Netflix. Netflix, where you go to watch movies you're not looking for. Okay, so that does it for about the callouts. 
Now let's move on to music. The good news is it doesn't sound like a slot machine, but I hope you like the Mandalorian theme song because that is possibly the only song that is played during the game. Now assuming you play your pinball in 10 hour stretches, you'd be one of 175,000 people who enjoy listening to the Mandalorian theme song on a loop. Frankly, I don't mind the song and I don't think it'll get too annoying. It was a bit disappointing that there wasn't more variety in the game, at least what was shown. If you recall Steve Ritchie's best roller games, you just have that theme song over and over again, and it doesn't get old. I mean, heck, they played it at every halftime show in the series run. Here now is DC Getcha with this sports theme song. Ah, man, that just keeps you going. You know, sound effects are one thing Stern gets right. You know, compared to a JJP, JJP sounds just sound like slot machine. Well, except for GNR. GNR is like their best game ever as far as sound goes. That's about all I have to say about the Mandalorian callouts and sounds. And I've been thinking, it feels like it's been such a long time since we had our last Stern release. Doesn't it feel like it's been forever since Avengers came out? And then it occurred to me just the other day that Led Zeppelin came out as well. Now that's a game that... At least for me, I didn't care about it at all. I pretty much blocked it from my memory. So that came out after Avengers and, and thus before Mandalorian. Now you put Mando and Led Zeppelin in the same room next to each other. I don't think it's even a contest on what game has more into it. Even with Stern's machines not having much into it, Led Zeppelin is practically empty on the pro. To the layperson, it looks like Eddie did a better job than Steve Ritchie did, building the game to a cost. And that's kind of the same thing we saw on Steve Ritchie's Star Wars. So no surprise there that for whatever reason, his games just don't feel as packed uh, when they're all allegedly working with the same budget per title. Rounding off Stern News, our homie Gomi was on Franchetti's podcast, aka Super Awesome Pinball Show. Basically, they go over George Gomez's life, um, almost as detailed as Silverball Chronicles would. So really, really interesting episode, worth the listen. Uh, it's a little long, over two hours, but it's worth it. All right, we're done with Stern. Let's move on to the next manufacturer. CGC. All right, what's going on at CGC? Nothing. With nothing to report out of CGC, one must assume that Cactus Canyon has been mothballed until further notice. All right, who's next? Jersey Jack Pinball. Here we go again, folks. Is it 2019 all over again? Playfield chipping in the news. Special Case Podcast is reporting owners of the Collector's Edition, you know, the one that's selling for 20000 plus, they're having their art lift around the posts and the clear coat chipping, kind of like what we saw in Willy Wonka and Pirates. After the initial run of 100 games that initially showed issues, JJP assured buyers that the problem was fixed from Miracle. 
They even added that quality control silkscreen underneath the apron. Just like the Nintendo seal of quality, this new guarantee did little to fix the underlying issue. Problems are being reported with even the newest games that are being shipped out. There appears to be no official solution other than providing you with some clear washers to cover up the issue. And unofficially, some buyers have been offered a refund of their purchase price. One has to wonder if Mirko Playfield is even capable of manufacturing playfields that are quality and don't have these issues. The threat of getting a chip playfield does not seem to have hampered demand on this title, as GNR continues to be sold out with up to an 8-month waiting list if you were to buy today. All eyes are on the next rumored game, Toy Story, that was supposed to come out in 2021. You gotta wonder if they'll be able to get it out this year with all the problems they're having and the backlogs. I suspect we'll know more by expo time in October. Myself, I'm not affected by any of this because I'm a location player, so I don't have any skin in the game. As long as the game's on location and still plays, it's fine with me. Would I want to own a game with a chip playfield? No, of course not. But when I'm putting in 50 cents a dollar to play a game, I really don't care. All right, let's move on to the next company. Spooky Pinball. Spooky Pinball's next game is due out in, t in June, or at least that's the rumor. What games do you think it will be? Well, going through the spooky thread on Pinside, I'm seeing He-Man, Halloween, Beetlejuice, Evil Dead, Army of Darkness, and these are all what the fans want. I'm still holding out for Scooby-Doo, but I guess we'll wait till June to find out. And I'm sure Spooky has ramped up production in anticipation of this. And I'm hearing it's going to be up to a thousand machines for the next release. So hopefully they can do it and sell it out quick. Good luck, Spooky. All right, who's next? Come on, come on, big bucks, and come on, stop! And we've got Haggis Pinball. What's not to love about these down-under yanks? They're working on the Fathom 2.0 remake. As of this recording, there are only 30 Mermaid editions left to order, and today is the last day, so when you're hearing this, the order banks will have closed. Quite the impressive feat for such an expensive game. Now what sets Haggis apart is their acrylic top playfield design. Now George Gomez, in his interview with Christopher Franchi, touched on acrylic playfields. George was not a fan. He went into saying that the thickness in playfield is different than with wood, which messes up other components on the playfield. And he was not a fan of, I guess you'd say, the coefficient of friction on the acrylic surface versus a clear coat surface. He did say that if you clear coated the acrylic, it would basically be the same thing, but you would still have the thickness issue to deal with. Now, he wasn't talking directly about Haggis Pinball, but more of the hard tops that are sold for the older games. You can bet Stern is definitely watching this because he did hint that Stern is looking at alternatives to the wood playfields. We shall wait and see how this turns out. Haggis's website is also reporting that they have Celts available and they're limiting that game to 200 units. I'm not sure if that's common knowledge. I didn't know that. I thought it was an open-ended run. So if you're interested in getting a matching game for your Fathom, you can still order Kilts. Like I've said before, I think remaking the old Bally titles is a great idea. I'm just not on board with the high price and maybe the added rules being exclusive to the Mermaid Edition or Limited Editions that they might be running. Moving on. Who's left? Let me check my Rolodex here. Ah, here we go. American Pinball. All right, let's see here. Let's see what they've been up to. Let's just go to This Week in Pinball. Okay, scrolling, scrolling. Oh, still the same games. Well, it's been over a year since Hot Wheels came out. I'm not sure what they're doing right now. I hope their next game is packed like Houdini and Oktoberfest. And if it is a license, maybe something a little more mainstream. What about a rock pin from them? 
we saw how well Jersey Jack was able to do a rock pin. Uh, maybe maybe AP can do a rock pin, you know, to eat away at some of Stern's sales. What bands haven't been done yet? Um, geez, right, tough question. There's so many that haven't been done, but what hasn't been done and that the pinball demographic wants to hear? A lot of times on pin side, you'll see, hey, give me the hip-hop game. Give me the rap pin. I don't know. That's not something I'd be interested in, and I'm not sure if that would sell well. If it doesn't sell well, I mean, that is right up AP's alley, right? They make games that people don't buy. Uh, I'm joking. How about Boston or maybe Rush or Queen or, you know, a personal favorite, Weird Al. With Weird Al, you could have a polka party multiball. Just saying, it'd be a great game. Of course, this is all just speculation because... I don't know. All right, anyone left to talk about? Hmm. Retro Atomic Zombie Adventure Land. That's right, Viva La Raza. There has been another update, as promised. And the update is, there's nothing to report. Still no progress with the game. Still no games to ship. I don't know what to say other than I really want them to get this game done. I want to play this game. I actually want to own this game. I was just thinking with the Mandalorian reveal. You know, the playfield is better than maybe Led Zeppelin, but it still doesn't compare to what's in Raza. And after watching the Steve Bowden Raza gameplay and then watching the Mandalorian gameplay, I still think I'm leaning Raza. They have similar elements where in in Mando, right, you have the Beskar that you use to buy upgrades. And in Raza, you have the Atomic Shop you use to buy upgrades. So I guess you could do it without the pin bar, but it's just not the same without the pin bar. I mean, they have the Magna save on there. I don't see any Magna save in the Mandalorian. And we all know when Stern adds a Magna save, they don't add a button for it. They just put it as the action button, which is stupid. I thought with my encouraging song I dedicated to the team at Deep Root, we'd have more to report on this month. But I guess we'll wait and see in July, which will be the next update. Fingers crossed that Robert and the gang can do something awesome. Well, I think that wraps up manufacturer news. I think we've got time for one more segment. This is a new segment on Totally Pinball Podcast. It's called, What's Up, Pinside? All right, this Pinside topic was started by L. Peters 82 and the topic is Scott Pilgrim versus the World Pinball Brainstorm. I'm going to make some assumptions here that Scott Pilgrim versus the World would be one of his dream theme machines. Let's take a look at what would be in a Scott Pilgrim game. All right, firstly, Peter here gives a little outline of what he thinks should be in the game. He's thinking, and I agree with this, that you play a Scott Pilgrim, and the goal of the game is to get to Ramona Flowers. So if you're aware of the comic books or the movie, Ramona has seven evil exes that Scott has to defeat in order to date her. If we're going to date, you may have to defeat my seven evil exes. All right, nothing special here in pinball rules, right? Because Deadpool, you're fighting the villains. So Scott Pilgrim would have a similar style. Let's just quickly go over the seven exes. You've got Matthew Patel. It is I, Matthew Patel. Level one. Lucas Lee. And then you have the vegan Todd Ingram. Didn't you know Todd's vegan? I think battling Todd could be a mini wizard mode because you could uh, do something with the vegan powers. Then that brings us to Roxy. I'm a little five furious. She could also be another mini wizard mode. I could just see the bi furious insert blinking on the playfield. All right, moving on. Caddy and Aggie twins just happen to be the next band in the battle, and they are totally badass. All right, so the Caddy Nagi twins mode, what would that be? In the movie, it's the whole band that's battling them. 
So I'm thinking if you have to get the whole band together in order to enter this mode. So you got to collect Kim, Steve, and young Neil. And once they're qualified, then you would enter the Kadinagi Twins battle. And for added fun, Knives Chow could be the add-a-ball in this. If you get her to come along too, you get, you get the add-a-ball. Yeah, this could be a multi-ball. Great idea, Johnny Pinball. All right, looking back at Peter's suggestion, he does also suggest a multi-ball here. But he says only a two-ball. And I could get down with that. Two-ball, multi-ball, because they're the twins. And then you could get the add-a-ball if you get Knives in the mix too. All right, so that leaves us with the final battle or the wizard mode or whatever it takes to beat the game. And in the movie, that's Gideon Graves, G-Man. Hey, I'm I'm psyched for this pin. This is I'm going to let you guys in on a little Johnny secret here. When this movie came out, or shortly after, I downloaded the uh, video, and then I extracted the audio, and just the audio I burnt to a CD so I could play the video in my car when I was driving and memorize the lines. That's how much I liked this movie when it came out. Oh, and on an unrelated note, one of my other audio CDs... I had created at this time was an album where every other song was crazy bitch. Man, I missed the late 2000s. Oh, oh, yep, I'm back. So we kind of got the modes down in this game. What would the toys be? So just thinking of what were the, kind of the places this movie was set. You've got Scott's apartment that he shares with Wallace. You've got uh, the pizza place. You've got the record store. You have all the venues they go to. And you have the Chaos Theater with Gideon. So I'm thinking you probably have Scott's apartment, uh, the pizza place, and maybe the Chaos Theater represented on the game. What interesting things would the ball interact with? Well, you got the vegan powers, just like with the Force and the Mandalorian. I think this is a great opportunity to do something with the ball. So the vegan mode could activate magnets in the game. I'm thinking magnet saves just like Jungle Lord. I just think that's such a fun feature in games that needs to come back more often. So user accessible magna saves that you charge your vegan power or it's somehow earned. It doesn't necessarily always have to be vegan power. Maybe it's only or maybe it's only activated during the vegan mode. That's interesting. I could I could be down with that. If, oh, and you got to do something with Julie, how she ends up working everywhere in the movie. <laughs> oh, is it time already? The stallions are at the door and I've got to go. Well, we'll see each other next time here on the Totally Pinball Podcast. And as per usual, I'm going to dedicate the outro song. This outro song is for all the fans of The Mandalorian out there listening in podcast land. And as always, you stay classy, Pinside.
and it bums them out. Say that last part again? And it bums them out. How much would it bum them out? 